This is what's going to happen. What's going on? Who's, um, this who's is joining what's going to Who's joining uh, <laughs> My next door neighbour. <laughs> <laughs> this will happen quite regularly. We are Fresh Drama, an online teach meet and weekly on-the-go podcast creating a fresh way to talk about drama through education. Fresh, like your mama, fresh. In every podcast, we will bring you the hot topics that are coming up in staff rooms across the UK. We will also review the plays that have got us thinking and planning. No. It reminds me of the 90s That's song, what? Ooh, Stick You, Your Mama Do, and Your Daddy. We will have a matter with experts like you, sharing stories, knowledge, and good practice. Fresh Drama aims to bring you fresh ways of thinking to develop yours and our love of teaching drama. Through CPD announcements, setting practical challenge tasks and sharing resources and ideas together in one place. On our own, we are just teachers, but together we are fresh drama thinkers. Welcome to Fresh Drama. So last week um, we explored schemes of learning for Key Stage 3 with the new normal in mind and this week we're going to be exploring schemes of learning for key stage four with a particular focus on the written exam um i begin at the end of year nine by getting all my students in every single class to stage an extract from club brothers and then last week of term all the classes come together and we perform the whole of Blood Brothers. And I know you used to do that many years ago. I love doing that. And, and you know, and quite often I'd split up the scenes between classes and use mm. um, props and costumes to create that continuation. Nice. Um, and I'd act as a director for all the groups. Mm. So the students just loved that, that the project involved um, all the classes in the year group. And yes. um, they came together in the end. I do another one where we do like a description bingo and we get the oh, cool. actors or students. Yeah, we get the students to act something out. And if it's on your bingo card, you check it off until they've got oh, full nice. house. And got full I know. Great. Um, I love that. Thank you. I, I, I might have finally mastered one thing in my life. Um, to be fair, <laughs> did you have prizes? Uh, did you have prizes? Yeah, yeah, we did. So we, they, can I just clarify? Because if they're listening, I don't want them to think I've stolen their idea. It's not even my idea; it's my colleague Georgie's oh. idea. It's only in year eleven that I get time conditions in there because I think that's the most effective way of doing it. Teach them the content, let them learn everything they need to learn, and then put that time pressure on them. Shall we talk to our two guests today, who know everything there is to know about stage mm. of the Arts? And will give us some amazing tips to share with our students to better play the characters of Mickey and Sammy, making them experts of the play script. Love it. Yes, let's. Today, we are chatting with Stephen and Michael. They are best known for playing Mickey and Sammy in Blood Brothers for over 10 years, both in the West End and on tour. Aside from this, both have found continued success on TV, in film and theatre. In 2012, um, noting the lack of quality drama workshops for young people, they founded Stage Ed, an organisation which brings the actors of a show into schools, providing young people time to train with the professionals, learn the requirements of the latex, and engage with the work on a more substantial and artistic level. Willie Russell is a patron of Stage Ed, and anyone who has had them in their school has written about the quality of the experience. In the interview today, we find out what the secrets are to playing these roles. Enjoy. 
How did you both get involved in Blood Brothers? What was the journey for both of you? Um, most people in Liverpool, if, you, if you're in the business, at some point we'll get seen for Blood Brothers. You've got the accent and um, I auditioned. I moved to London, got myself an agent and then I auditioned for Blood Brothers and heartbreaking, didn't get it. I auditioned for the role of Sammy and obviously it's, you know, one of the, one of the, it's the nature of the business. You don't always find out why you don't get it. And, uh, and I was gutted, absolutely gutted because one of the reasons I, I went into acting with seeing Blood Brothers at the Liverpool Empire years ago, my mum and dad um, taking me along and I didn't know anything about it at the time in that long ago. It wasn't like a set text. It's common study now, you know. So I went along, fell in love with Blood Brothers. I got, I didn't sleep that night. I remember, I remember putting the tape on, 60 minute tape, and then getting out of bed, sending it over, and then doing it again. And then six months later, they, um, they contacted my agent again and said, we'd like to see him again. And this time I got the call and, and they said, you've got it. I think, you know what, I, I got into drama pretty late, I suppose. You know, like, you know, I, even my daughter now goes to sort of dance, dance things the weekend. I never, ever, was involved in any of that as a kid. I didn't get into drama until I was about 15 uh, when I got into it at, at high school and they were doing a production of Blood Brothers. So yeah, I feel like I come full circle from the high school doing it. Um, I think, and I don't know, Nadia, if you agree, I think when we try and teach Blood Brothers, the hardest character to teach is the role of the narrator. Purpose, how to stage him, because yeah. we have so little information about him. The narrator originally was the milkman he ecologist, the postman, the bus conductor. So there was a lot more of that interaction there. Mm. And we um, we recently interviewed Willie Russell, and he actually laughed yeah. when we, we, we invited a lot of um, questions from teachers. And a lot of the overthinking or, or the depth of the thinking, and he just started laughing, saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm amazed that you've come up with all this. But he did talk about the fact that, like Steve said, he does have his own sort of definitive thing that he's. He's a guy that lives locally that's telling a story, you know, and in his head, he said, he, in my mind, he's a poet. He's a guy that happens to be a poet that lives locally. And it's it's almost conversation and very casual. Did you hear the story of the Johnston twins? It's almost like you meet the guy in the street and he's, he's just genuinely telling this brilliant story. And actually, you know, I remember when I did the narrator, I know it's high school, but even when I played the narrator then, we did the uh, original script. So... I did all the parts, so I was the uh, bus conductor and the gynecologist mm -hmm. and the milkman and uh, the school two school teachers as well. Um, and although that helped to make it, you know, give you some characterization, it was it actually made the narrator a great part in that sense because it, it did for me then become nothing about the devil and that that sort of um, dark overtone of it, but um, more like he was just a real person. And um, those interjections of had was with Mickey and Eddie and with uh, Mrs. Johnson and Mrs. Lyons. And he just became like a normal man in the street. I mean, anyone you could meet to, you know what I mean? It would just nudge Mrs. Johnson about her conscience, about, you know, on the bus, happy are you, content at last and all that. And then we go into the scene. It was just these little moments that the narrator had. Like Mike said, trying to give that human element to the narrator yes. as a poet, as someone who is yes. telling a story, all of a sudden for me creates a, a more open performance because this is just a man who is just telling a story in Liverpool in the 60s yeah. throughout the 80s it's that that's really powerful yeah love that the narrator actually on stage is on stage for most of the show but you shouldn't really notice that he is <clears throat> you know Warwick uh, Evans who played it originally he would um he would 
over when he rehearsed it in originally original production, he would find, you know, sometimes you could be on stage there, but he would just find the light so that he wasn't actually on stage, but you could just see a shadow of him. Great pop. There's some lovely little moments as well where when he doesn't have the dialogue and the focus isn't on him. So um, musical numbers like Kids Game and Brand New Day, Brand New Day, you know, probably the the spirit lifter of the show musically, the feel good, optimistic end of that one. And if you, I'd noticed, I noticed it as an audience member and an actor in the show, just glancing over and the re really good narrators that I've seen down the years will be kind of in that mood, in that mood with the rest. It's not a standalone dark, he's the devil over there. It's kind of absorbed by optimism of Bright New Day. There's a smile there and he's, he's kind of reflecting that as well, which when he does deliver the doom and gloom, bad news and the anchors, the, you know, he's talking the superstition right through, but when he tells us, who dare tell the lambs in spring what fate the Lisa seasons bring? If we've seen the human side to him, enjoy your moments before, but then him remembering, look, this this doesn't end well. I told you this at the beginning. Let's get back on board with powerful, yeah. really powerful. I mean, Mike, you your character is just as powerful. You you played Sammy for yeah. how, how many years was it? Eleven years. You remember Sammy because he's larger than life. Life, and he, you know, it's a pivotal character, but you're not actually on stage that much mm. when it starts to rehearse. It feels like in the audience, he's more involved than he actually is. And you've got these your first entrance comes just after um, the poem, I wish it was our Sammy. Mm. And I remember my first sort of day rehearsals, the director saying, You know, you've, you've got to kind of live up to this. You've had a bit of an intro there about peeing through letterboxes and burying worms, and you know, you're obsessed with catapult and all this stuff. You can't come on half-hearted. You've got it. <laughs> pictures painted, and you've got it. You come on your first entrance, and you scream at Mickey, and then you spit straight in your eye from twenty yards. Which Steve will tell you on some occasions, I did manage to hit that target direct. <laughs> uh, and it's a lot. And then you next you've got the work scene, and you have you've got a tantrum in there, and then you belt it, and you're off. But then you next see it again. It's another high-energy entrance because it's 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 game then. You come in running on berserk with a gun, playing the obsession with killing everyone. And the next scene's brand new day. You've stolen a milk bottle and you come in running in. And then you've got the robbery, you know, and, and the bus scene with the night. So they're all kind of heightened entrances. There's no, there's no subtle tiptoeing on. It's bang, he's back. And then he spits down someone's top, he bangs someone's head, and, and off he goes, you know. Mm. So it was like like most of like most of the characters in Blood Brothers, you know, with the exception of the narrator and Mrs. J, the joy for me is is playing the different ages, playing for Sammy, you know, a nine-year-old, and then the the sort of stroppy adolescent, um, confused 16-year-old, and then the dark gangster, um, the shady Sammy that thinks he's something and, and ultimately goes on to kill. So absolutely joy of a part to play he's he is quite an aggressive we talked about those larger than life moments and the aggression of sammy you know it's there's no subtlety there you're coming in and you're beating someone up or you're getting a knife out or you're getting a gun out and you're firing a gun where does that aggression stem from do you think interestingly i i a student said just before lockdown we were, we were doing a workshop and something that's never really occurred to me and a student said to me, um, have you, do you think Sammy's got ADHD? And I was thinking, he probably has actually that aggression there on all of that, you know, and, and you're bringing that in. Um, 
And where does the aggression come, come from in terms of the character? He had the accidents. You know, I always say, Donna Marie dropped him out the bedroom window. I know they said he fell, but I say she dropped him. She should have been looking up. <laughs> and then you've got that whole comedy routine about the plays in the head. But also, you've, um, you know, there's no father figure being around. And Mrs. Johnston, she's had all, all of the love in the world to, to give. But probably not much else, you know. She's working and they've run riot a little bit, the Johnstons. He's, he's always in trouble that, you know, there's the, the police are always calling around. So you don't want to warn you before about your Sammy. He's, he's known, you know. So they've probably, um, like I say, she's put her arm around them with a lot of love, but there probably hasn't been too much discipline. So he's probably gone off the rails from an early age. Totally agree with you. Steve, what about you? So you've, you played the legendary Mickey and he is... He, 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 throughout the play, he keeps the story going. How, what things do we need to know as teachers when we're teaching how to, how to get students to play Mickey? What is the psyche behind his character? What things should we know about him? Do you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because it is actually, when I first got into Bubblers, actually, I was understudying. So I had a, I guess I had a little bit more of a gentle, gentle way in where I was the understudy first. Uh, and a very good friend of mine was playing Mickey at the time and, and would never go off. My very first, my very first time on was literally for the last scene, and because he was sick, and I remember being on. I remember get. I remember it was a matinee day. I always remember this. I'm telling you this for reason. But I, it was a matinee day, first matinee. And we started the set, second show, mm-hmm. and at the interval, he said, "I'm not feeling very well." I went, "No, don't say that to me." At the interval, it's not long gone. As only now, you'd be all right. Off a drink, fine. And uh, I could see him getting progressively worse and going really not actually well and then i could see buckets being placed in the wings because he really wasn't feeling good and i'm thinking i've only got 20 minutes left. you'll make it you know and he literally and then i i was stood on the prison scene and i was one of the prison guards mickey's doing the <laughs> with Linda, and i just heard a voice saying steve steve and i thought i thought i was going mad actually because <laughs> <laughs> i was the country manager in the wings and i i, I sort of walked off I went, right, Paul's not well. I went, yeah, I know that. I went, I don't think he's going to make it till the end. I went, that'd be all right. Minutes to go. And um, and sure enough, we got to, literally got the madman. And Mickey starts running around. And in the time, he starts running right around the front of the theatre. And he ran on for, said, he said, stay where you are. And bolted straight off in the wings and sick everywhere. And the country manager just gave me his donkey jack. I went, there you go, you're on. I'll go and finish the show. I literally did. And it was with Mark Hutchinson who plays Eddie. And, uh, and I ran on. I ran back on. The director ran back on the same wing because that's where I was anyway and finished the show. Uh, and Mark's face was a picture, actually. I, I've searched in my memory because he just kept saying, Mickey, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to tell the audience, this is Mickey. Houses <laughs> on and all that, but it's, and that was my first. That was my first show, Mickey. That last, that last scene. So it was wow. hilarious. Um, and the reason I say that is because I guess I had a real gentle ease into it, really. And and it, what it made me realise is my point actually is that although when I look back at that and it was fun, um, I just had to take it one bit at a time. When you run on, um, it's that age-old sort of saying in theatre, isn't it? You suspend your disbelief because we're in the theatre, you know, and I know it's, you can get very involved, but it is the theatre. You know they're actors. 
Um, and he said, so the audience will do that because the grown man just walked around on the stage dressed child in shorts and his messy mud all over him. So they'll immediately kind of go, yeah, he's portraying a kid. So you don't therefore then need to go and do a squeaky kid's voice because in 10 minutes, people are going to start leaving fear. I can't listen to that all night. So it's sort of things really. Of course you do use your voice, you know, um, but you just got to be careful. You know, a lot of the work's done for you. You've got a costume on. Um, I think a lot of it comes from the physicality and the energy. And then growing up into the, you know, when we start acting, he's 14, it's that, he's that angry sort of teenager we all know, especially boys who are awkward around girls and don't know how, what to say and things like that. And it's, you know, comfortable and cocky with their mates. But then when it comes to all the stuff for Linda, like, as Mickey then gets older and progresses into the sort of depressive stage at the end, I think then it's, it's again, it's physicality and it's pace and it's slowing it all down and being stiller. Going on to now stage ed, tell me about stage Tell me what you do um, with schools. Give me that overview. So we started initially doing Blood Brothers drama workshops with, you know, years 9, 10, 11 drama students. And then we, we tweaked the workshop a little bit. So show out of nowhere, the show closed. We'd started Stage Ed and we thought, you sink or swim here because we found something that we love doing. Is the mileage in it? Is it still going to be on the curriculum? Are people going to you know, know who we are? How do we market? We don't know anything about that. So we started um, sending out flyers at the time and then emails and, and visiting schools. And we'd go in and we sort of extended it so we could spend a whole day with a group that's studying it. Um, and with the initially, it was still drama workshops. One thing we thought was we want the kids on the feet engaged. We want all of the kids involved all of the time. We don't want it, we don't want it to be a glorified Q and A. We want them to, when we leave, them to have something that they can use and think about and recall when, whether it's they're doing the performance pieces or the exam. You know, talking about playing. What we're finding more and more, especially um, with certain exam boards, the way that the questions are loaded. It's, it's teaching them the skill of how to answer the question because we get them on their feet and say, right, let's look at this scene. We've warmed up, we've got to know that everyone's fine and they're buzzing, they want to be doing it. So we say we put them in pairs, we direct the scenes and sometimes what they produce is just world-class, it's brilliant. And then you ask them to talk about what they've just done in that scene and they struggle. Yeah. The, and they're not getting mm. marked on the practical because their exam paper is how would you play vocal tone, pace, proximities, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And they really struggle with articulating on the paper about how you're doing it. So we have to literally break it down into beats and, and units and say, you know, how did you do that there? What did you change there? What? So it's, I just think it's fair. They have to do that. Why can't performing arts, they do English, they do written work in English, you know. Um, I mean, I know not all exam boards are the same, but I just think they should have examiners coming in or watching footage of them acting, and that, that is drama. And do you know what? Absolutely, unfortunately, it is every exam board, and that's what's so sad about. Yeah, yeah. We, we argue every day about that. We're 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 asking kids to be assessed on something that they're not that they're not saying is their strength. They're saying I can I can act. That is my strength. Assess me purely on that. But instead yeah. of that, we're going, yep, yeah, you're going to be assessed on a bit of acting, but also you're going to try and learn to climb a tree and you're going to try and learn to, to paraglide. Um, yeah. And it's a really unfair system. But 
I yeah. love that, that you do tailor your practical workshops to, to hit those exam criteria, which is what is much needed. You know, in all of my career, from the day I entered drama school, I never picked up a pen about drama, only to write on stuff on a website and things like that. But in terms of being an actor, practicality, it's... Exactly that. Mad. But guys, thank you so much. We've thank run out of time, unfortunately. So you guys are amazing. I really no, love it. See you again. Good luck with everything. Cheers, guys. How great were they, lads? I will definitely oh, have them coming into so our school great. come September. Um, my year 11s, I know, will lap it up. So, play review. Mm. Blood Brothers? <laughs> yes, yes, <Right>? Blood Brothers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna look. We're gonna look at Blood Brothers. We're gonna look at the writing of Blood Brothers, and we're gonna look at other um, uh -huh. exam responses for other play texts as well. So cool. there are two exam specifications that carry Blood Brothers set text, and that is Edexcel and OCR. The structure of the play, I believe, lends itself to the written exam because it so clearly shows a character journey and growth, which is essential what students must write about in all these exam papers. Um, mm -hmm. It additionally allows us to really hone in on moments. Because the piece is quite episodic in its nature, we follow them at mm -hmm. 7, 14, 18, we're able to really identify and dis make distinct differences between how we're going to play them. The context is so specific with so much of story happening between a few time periods, the 60s and the 80s. And with that in mind, it makes it so easy to constantly refer back to context. And this is essential what gives mm. marks. Um, Nads, what have you done in the past to teach context to students? Mm. Okay, a few things. Um, I've used whole class dramas to explore mm. what it feels like to be jobless um, and students have to line up on the door. That's quite interesting. Mm. Um, created montages showing what life might have been like for Mickey in comparison to Edward. Mm. Um, I've also um, got them thinking about mental health and, and how that impacts the choices we have made so anything that widens their conversations and thinking beyond just margaret thatcher you know oh, that those are the things God. that always come up that is all they <laughs> we talk need to so do more than that we have uh, there'll be like mrs johnson is really sad because of, because of margaret thatcher and i'm like but margaret thatcher <laughs> wasn't wasn't prime minister in the 60s darling she she wasn't there <laughs> with that in mind should we read some really good um exam responses some that we think are very strong and i know that you've got one ready haven't you nads yep uh so the 20 marker aqa question asks students to explain how they would how they would play a character in a scene and how this fits their character as a whole throughout the play this student is writing about the scene where mrs lyons confronts mrs johnston when the boys are 14 and accuses her of following her Shall I read the extract? Yes, please. Okay. I would step back in surprise and say the line a few years. As Mrs. Johnston, I would also stutter on these lines to show my fear of Mrs. Lyons. I have never gotten over the power she once had over me and her threatening nature in the opening of the play. I would gulp to further show my fear and then say the line, we were rehoused here, I didn't follow. On this line, I would look away, avoiding eye contact, conscious that Mrs. Lyons is unhinged. Mm. This would create intense tension between the characters and show the hatred and resentment between the two. I would then move back and say the line, 
I thought I'd never see him again with a fast pace and shrill tone. In this line, I would additionally shout it to show that Mrs. Johnson's true feelings are emerging, something which has been bottled up for years. Contrasting to this, I would clench my fists. This is the first time we will see Mrs. Johnson feeling able to stand up to Mrs. Lyons. This is significant as by this point in the play, she has been able to reestablish herself as she describes create a life for herself. This further shows that Mrs. Lyons and Mrs. Johnston's roles as characters have changed. Mrs. Johnston is now the one who is frustrated that Mrs. Lyons is entering her life and disrupting it. Even though she is from a working class family, she seems to have a better life than Mrs. Lyons. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent piece of work. It definitely mixes description and analysis together. It's really, really striking visually. It's appropriate, it's effective, detailed. I can literally take that, stage it. I also think it's important, like I said before, Nads, to now try and compare this answer to an answer for another set text. It doesn't really matter what play you choose. It matters about the detail and the description and the analysis. Um, totally. So, yeah, and this is a question response from The Crucible. Um, it's for the Edexcel paper, and it reads like this. As Abigail extends her neck rigidly and sharply, contorting and stiffening her body, on the line, I, I know not, a wind, a cold wind has come, the colour of gel, the gel light will snap from a warm indoor yellow colour to a stark white. After the initial flash, the intensity will be slowly lowered as creating a spotlight effect on Abigail will show that her world is becoming a dominating force. The seeping light will also illuminate the other actors. This choice of lighting not only reminds the audience of the mass manipulator that Abigail is, but it reiterates the dark and traumatized world she lives in. Movers would then fade in with a fade of eight seconds, further enhancing the eeriness and web of lies that begin to take over the courtroom. The colours fit the Puritan existence of the play and will keep the audience aware of the troubles that are brewing in Salem. Each time the girls add to the high drama of the scene by confessing to another lie, a sharp and super bright spotlight will illuminate their positions on stage as if representing in the eyes of the court that these girls are holier than holy. And there is no doubt of their lies. It will disappear in a flash through almost a reminder to the audience that what Danforth might see is not what the audience knows. It's only when Proctor leaps at Abigail that light snap back to the original state, almost breaking the charm and spell and beginning the next twist in the tale. A really, really well-written piece. Mm. I mean, the colour in the work definitely makes it a strong response. You can imagine every moment and that's really interesting, she said to colour, because that's exactly what I tell my students to do. Colour in the work. If you are, if you've got a piece of writing, make it colourful. If you have a moment to look over your work, I always tell my kids, colour it further, add further details. And this is what this student's done. They've coloured it. They've used adverbs. They've used adjectives. They have weaved really well the analysis and description in there. We'll put all of these examples and exemplars onto um, our Instagram page as well. Definitely. So, do use them as exemplars. It does not matter if it's not the playtext you're studying with kids. It gives them a good idea of what the, the writing needs to look like. Cool. Love it. So, fresh thinking, Nadia. Your favourite part of the week, I know. What do Always. you have for us this week? Okay. Have you checked out the Blood Brothers songs on YouTube? No? Well, do it. 
Hmm. Manny introduced it to me, and now I put it on whenever I do my do now tasks with your 10 and 11 students. By the end, we have most of the class grunting along to the weirdly, <laughs> the weirdly addictive song. We will put it in our show notes. Yeah, and it's not the songs from the musical. And by the way, again, that was George's idea. It wasn't mine. Um, <laughs> Gosh, get George, replace that with Georgie. <laughs> Bring Georgie in. And that was another one of her ideas. She's so fabulous. I, I bloody love her. Um, Nads, what CPD ideas have you got for us this week? Okay, so obviously, get Stage Ed in. Yes. But apart from them, check out the site susanenglish.wordpress.com and her article, Why I Love Exploring Blood Brothers for Our Highest Ability mm. Students. She talks about things that we might get our high ability students to focus um, on further and include in their exam response. I would um, quite often get GNT students to read this article and then find a way to weave in two points within their answer. Anything else this week, Nads? Are students bored of writing exam responses? I feel Probably. like I'm, um, <laughs> I feel like I'm, is it like uh, it's like it's like an american the american like american um have you got stubble <laughs> have you got stubble in your armpits do you find that no no wax material works try this go go wax the painless pain-free experience um, <laughs> come on lads what else you know this week oh my gosh that just makes me laugh so much okay so play musical chairs groups of students each with their own colour of pen, begin on their home table and write the first sentence of the response for the question. They then move to the next table, complete the second sentence of their peers' question, response, and so on and so forth. After a couple of rounds, complete responses start to emerge. They then get groups to refine the responses and make it beautiful. Mm. The differentiated colours will also help you assess different pockets of students' knowledge, saving you the need to blitz through books trying to work out what knowledge is missing from different students. So it's Love got great that. teacher assessment embedded And in. workload. Oh my God. I, it's just making me think about my workload. If I can do yeah, that when, in the busy time in January when I'm trying to get my year 12 to their device, if I can get the, the uh -huh. workload lessened in Key Stage 4, I'm happy. Um, yeah. So there you have it. Teaching Key Stage 4, teaching a written exam. In a nutshell, done. Have a restful weekend, everybody. Bye. Ah, I like that. Oh, I Did you like that? that.